Amen. Well, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus talked about one of the most basic needs for our soul. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. The need that Jesus identified for our souls in this passage is the need of rest. Our souls need rest. I hope I don't have to really convince you of that this morning. Hopefully you're already aware of all the ways that our souls can be bombarded in this world. The trauma that our souls can experience. The assault that our souls can come under. And what Jesus identified in Matthew chapter 11 is that in this crazy world, our souls need rest. Look at it with me. The words of Jesus to his disciples. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Aren't those comforting words from Jesus? He had a lot of hard sayings, didn't he? I mean, to be on mission with Jesus requires a lot. He understands that our souls need rest. He offers rest in this passage to all those who labor and who are heavy laden. I wonder if that's you this morning. I wonder if you could identify and say, yes, that's me. I am one who labors or I am one who is heavy laden. The word labor means to be fatigued from hard work. Jesus knew that it was not just our bodies that would grow weary, but that our souls could grow tired from hard work. Our souls can become weary, tired, fatigued, exhausted, from labor. And Jesus knew that. And he said, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. The word heavy laden means to be carrying a load that is more than you can bear. Imagine like strapping a refrigerator to your back and trying to walk, let alone stand, right? Jesus knew that just like our bodies can be physically overloaded, our souls can be overloaded. They can be overburdened. And Jesus knew that his disciples were going to experience fatigue and experience being overburdened in their souls. And he knew that because, one, they're just part of this world. Don't you know? I mean, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, right? That this world, that there is suffering in this world, that things are not right here, that it has been broken by sin, and that because of the curse of sin that is on the world, we experience trouble. And just by being alive, just by having one of these, I'm pointing to my body, my flesh, just by having this, I'm going to experience burdens in my soul just by existing. And Jesus knew that his disciples, as they lived in this world, were going to experience burdens and weariness in their souls. But it wasn't just being in this world. They were also called to be his disciples, and that comes with an extra burden of suffering. 
I mean, don't you remember what Paul said to the church in Acts? He said, it's through much suffering that we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. And Paul was not talking about our salvation. Our salvation is not earned by works. It's a free gift from God. But this suffering that we experience in this world, here's what it's doing. I heard John Piper say it this way. It's preparing the saints to marvel at the coming of Christ. Because as we look at the world and we look at all the trouble in this world, it requires of us to set our eyes on him and on a future hope. And as we set our eyes on him and on that future hope, it makes us struggle and toil and labor and work. But what we believe is that there's going to be this future arrival of Jesus and the struggle and the labor and the toil and the work is preparing us to marvel at his coming, to glory at his coming, and to trust him while we await for his return. So Jesus knew that there would be struggles that his disciples would experience, all humans would experience, and that they would experience special struggles because they were his disciples seeking to follow him. Jesus knew that when his disciples felt fatigued and overburdened, they needed to know how to find rest for their souls. It's something that we need to be able to do, that we need to know how to do. Like if whenever I'm hungry, I know how to find food to satisfy that hunger. And when I'm thirsty, I know how to find drink to satisfy my thirst. Well, when I'm overburdened, whenever I'm tired and weary, I need to know how to find rest for my soul. And Jesus told them that they could find rest for their souls. The word rest means intermission. What do you think of when you think of intermission? Probably a play, right? Or some kind of drama where at the middle of the play, you know, the stage has all this excitement, all this drama, all this chaos going on, and then all of a sudden, intermission and the stage rests. And that's what it means to find rest. It's like Jesus knew that in this world, his disciples were going to face all kinds of drama and that their souls would need rest, reprieve from that drama. So I'm going to ask you again, is that you this morning? Do you, are you one who labors or who is heavy laden? Do you need rest for your soul? Well, how do you find that rest for your soul if you know that I need rest for my soul? If that's your confession this morning, I need rest for my soul, how do you find rest for your soul? What did Jesus say to his disciples in Matthew chapter 11? Well, in that passage, Jesus told his disciples to do these three things to find rest for their soul. And here they are. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And he said, if you'll do that, you will find rest for your soul. So let's look at these in the text. The first one is come to me. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word come is an imperative verb. It means that it's a command, not just a suggestion. Jesus wasn't just suggesting that one of the ways that you could find rest for your soul whenever you're wearied and overwhelmed is that you could come to him. That's, you know, an option. No, Jesus was commanding his disciples with this imperative verb, the word come. And when he said come, he was commanding them, come to me. When you find, when you need rest for your soul, it's not just a suggestion, come to me. 
instead of coming to Jesus, isn't it true that we tend to medicate ourselves with something in this world that we, when we need rest for our souls? Instead of coming to him, we look for some alter, alternative source to provide a measure of relief to our souls. I wonder what yours is. I have lots of them that I've turned to to try to find some measure of rest for my souls. At one point, I I really struggled with uh, soda being my go-to, right? Like if I was really feeling bad and had a bad day, an image of a 48-ounce Mountain Dew coming out of that fountain drink really felt like it was going to provide for me the rest for my soul that I needed, you know? And I had this tendency to go to something else. And, you know, it turned into coffee. I really like coffee now. Um, I didn't have coffee this morning, by the way, just preparing for this time with you, maybe increase some spiritual sensitivity this morning, Uh, but I really enjoy coffee. It's kind of my go-to first thing in the morning. So what is it for you? You know, sometimes it can be one of those good gifts that God has given that we can enjoy. You know, sometimes it can be something uh, that's inherently sinful. If you've been around this church very long, you know that I've been transparent with you that there is a period of 10 years in my life when I battled with an addiction to pornography. And you know, it was something that I was turning to, I didn't even realize, but to try to deal with chaos in my soul. And I was dealing with it in such an unhealthy way. Instead of coming to Jesus, we tend to medicate ourselves with something in this world when we need rest for our souls. But let me tell you what that's like. Trying to find rest for your souls in something in this world rather than finding it in Jesus is like seeing a delicious dish on a menu and licking the menu instead of tasting that dish. (laughs) Trying to find rest for your soul in something in this world rather than finding rest for your soul in Jesus is like sitting in a child's sandbox instead of laying and resting on the shores of the ocean. Trying to find rest for your soul in something in this world other than Jesus is like driving out to I-240 and Bryant and hiking up the trash hill that's out there instead of hiking in the mountains of Colorado. I tell you, what this world has to offer cannot do for you what Jesus can do for your soul. If you want to find rest for your soul, there's only one place that you can go, and that's to Jesus. You see, the scripture says that God originally created mankind to rule this world and to enjoy what he created. It's not a bad thing to enjoy his creation. He made us and he made what he created to be enjoyed. But God never intended for us to allow the things of this world to displace him as the chief source of the affections of our soul. He never intended for that to happen. That's why he told, that's why in his word, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present age. Okay, think about this with me. Those who are rich. When you're rich, what do you have access to? Well, when you're rich, you have access to all the things that this world has to offer, right? They're at your fingertips. It's easy. In this country, we're all pretty rich. I mean, you might compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, I'm not as rich as them, but we have all kinds of access to comforts. We have all kinds of access to things that we could use to medicate ourselves instead of turning to Jesus to find rest for our souls. And and this is what Paul said to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. 
not to seek that satisfaction for their souls in riches, but to trust in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. God has given us richly all things to enjoy, but the gifts that he has given us are not meant to become the chief source of the affections and the delight of our soul. When we, when we encounter the good gifts that God has given, they're intended to cause us to put our eyes on the gift giver and to rejoice and glory in the one who gave the gift. And as soon as it displaces that, we get things backwards. Because the truth is, if anyone but Jesus becomes the main source for rest for our souls, whatever that thing is, if anyone or anything becomes the thing that we go to to find rest for our souls besides Jesus, then that will become an idol in our life that Satan will use to make us his tormented slave. And isn't that ironic? That the very thing that we're going to to try to find some relief for our soul, our enemy ends up using it against us to make us his tormented slave. And I can just say, in those 10 years in pornography, that's what I was. I was a tormented slave. The enemy was using something else that I was turning to to torment me. And that can happen to anything, anything in our life. So what is it in your life? What do you tend to turn to when you're seeking rest for your soul? What this world has to offer might provide some temporary re relief, but only Jesus can offer us true rest for our souls. So to find rest for their souls, Jesus' disciples needed to come to him. He said, come to me. And then he said, take my yoke upon you. The illustration of a yoke helped Jesus' disciples understand that they should not just come to him, but it helped them understand how they should come to him. This illustration of take my yoke upon you addresses the posture of our hearts when we come to Jesus. So this one isn't super clear for us, right? Um, it's not super clear for us what a yoke is because we don't live in an agricultural society. But the disciples of Jesus lived in an agricultural society. And when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, they instantly knew what he was talking about. So let me show you what he was talking about. In these pictures, if you look up there, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Well, a yoke was a tool for working with animals. It enabled two animals, the animals were typically oxen, to work together to pull a heavier load than either one could pull alone. Of the two oxen, this is important, one would lead and the other would follow. And they would be yoked together to pull a load that was bigger than either one of them could pull alone. What Jesus said to his disciples is, take my yoke upon you. Notice that he didn't ask his disciples to give him their yoke. He said, take my yoke upon you. Taking up his yoke is a posture of the heart. We can't take up his yoke if we're yoked to something else. We have to be willing to lay down whatever it is in our life so that we can take up his yoke. To take up his yoke, we must surrender our will to his will. He is the lead ox. When he moves, we move. Where he goes, we go. Finding rest for our souls is not just about praying more. It is also about 
how we pray. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To find rest for our souls, we must come to him. But we must come to him with a willingness to surrender our will to his will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, prayer doesn't always change our circumstances. I imagine by now you've discovered that. That prayer does not always change our circumstances. And a lot of times what we want is we want to find rest for our souls by avoiding the fire. God, change my circumstances so that I can find rest. Whatever this is in my life that is causing me to not experience rest in my soul, take it away so that I can have rest for my soul. But here's the thing. God doesn't always plan to give us rest for our souls by allowing us to avoid the fire. Often he wants to give us rest for our souls as we walk through the fire with him. He promised us that in this world we'd have trouble, but he said that even in our suffering that he would be with us. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. The scripture says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. How do I count it all joy when I meet a trial? Well, only if I'm surrendering my will to the will of God. Only if I trust that he is the sovereign Lord, that he is working everything together for my good, and the trial I'm going through right now is actually better for me than if I weren't going through it at all. That's the kind of faith that God wants his people to have, to trust in him and to believe that he is working out his purposes in our life through even our trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. Doesn't that sound like rest for your soul? Before we ever pray to ask God to change our circumstances, we should first come to God and ask him to change us. George Mueller worked really hard at this. He said 90% of our problem when it comes to discerning the will of God is that we have our own will in the way. And he said, if we'll lay down our own will and get it out of the way, then the rest of discerning the will of God comes a lot easier. But what typically keeps us from knowing God's will is our will being greater in our soul than his will. And God wants us to lay down our will, to come to him with a posture of, God, you are God and I am not. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're trying to accomplish, let it be done in my life. I'm aligning my will to yours. And as we do that, God gives us rest for our souls. Prayer is far less about giving, God giving us what we want and far more about our will being aligned to his will. So to find rest for their souls, Jesus told his disciples to come to him and to take up his yoke. Do you see those two working together? You can do the first one, but if you do the first one without the second one, you're not following what Jesus said to find rest for your souls. Yes, come to him. But you may say, well, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray all the time, I pray more, I pray more. Well, come to him, but when you come to him, come with this posture of heart, take his yoke upon you. Let him be the lead. 
Where he goes, you go. Even if it means suffering, trusting that he's using that suffering to accomplish his purposes in your life. And we have this glorious hope that he's coming again. And he's going to set this broken world right. And he's going to redeem everything that's been broken and lost in our lives. Only God could do it. And so we look forward with that future hope. And we, in the meantime, trust him to work in us so that we will be ready to marvel at his coming. Come to me. And you'll find rest for your souls. Take up my yoke and you'll find rest for your souls. But Jesus said one more thing in this passage that we are to do. He said, learn from me. Learn from me. And he called himself gentle and lowly of heart. He said, learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. What I am so grateful for in Jesus is that he did not just tell us how to find rest for our souls. But he showed us by the way that he lived how we can find rest for our souls. There are many great examples from the life of Jesus that we could consider to see how Jesus came to the Father and yielded his will to the will of the Father. But there is none, no example that is clearer in all of Scripture from the life of Jesus than the example that Jesus gave us on the night where he was to be betrayed and handed over to be crucified. In the garden, Jesus said his soul was troubled. Let's read this passage together. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So here we have Jesus who's familiar with all of our sufferings. He became sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus showed us what it looks like to come to him and to take his yoke upon us because he modeled it for us in the way that he came to his heavenly father and he surrendered his will to the will of his father. When his soul was sorrowful and troubled, even to the point of death, he came to the father and he said, Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass from me. You know, that demonstrates that it's not inherently sinful for us to desire a change in our circumstances when we're suffering. Uh, that, that, that's natural. It's something that we can want whenever we're experiencing a lot of suffering. But here's what Jesus understood. If changing my circumstances means that I'm not in the will of my Father, then I'd rather stay right here. I love this line from Shane and Shane, one of the lyrics of their songs. They sing, if your presence goes, I don't want to stay. And if your presence stays, I don't want to go. Lord, whatever it is, in all circumstances, in every season, in every situation of my life, help me to trust in you, to surrender my will towards your will. I just want to be in your presence. Jesus modeled for his disciples what we should do when our souls are sorrowful and troubled, even to the point of death. He showed them how to go to the Father 
and how to surrender their will to his. Jesus knew that his disciples needed rest for their souls, and he showed them what to do. When he needed rest for his soul, he went to the Father and surrendered his will. Will you learn from Jesus? Will you learn from him? Watch him. Pay attention to what he does. To find rest for our souls, we must come to Jesus and surrender our will to his. So to find rest for their souls, Jesus told his disciples to do these three things. We've seen them this morning. Come to me, take my yoke, and learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. So how's your soul this morning? How is your soul today? Are you tired and overburdened? What have you been turning to to try to find relief for your soul? Have you been desiring God's will over your own? Maybe you're aware that you've desired God's will over your own. Maybe you're even unaware. You just keep being mad at God because he's not changing your circumstances instead of going to him and surrendering your will to his. You can turn to the things of this world to try to find some relief for your soul, but listen carefully. Only Jesus can provide true rest for your soul. Not only that, but God's word says that he doesn't just want to give rest to your soul. His word says he wants to restore your soul. He wants to restore your soul. Remember in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love this other uh, translation of this passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That is a great phrase. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus wants to give rest to your soul, but the purpose in giving that rest is even this greater purpose of bringing healing to your soul, restoring your soul. I mean, our souls experience trauma. Sometimes that trauma is caused by our own sin. And every time I sin, my souls experience trauma uh, in the, because of that sin. Or sometimes my soul experiences trauma because of the sins of another person. Sometimes my soul experiences trauma because of the circumstances in my life. And Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest. And his desire is, is more than just to give you rest, but he wants to bring healing to your soul. He wants to restore your soul. Think about a doctor. A good doctor gives his patient orders to rest, right? He has an injury and he wants his patient to rest. Well, what's the purpose of that rest? Yes, right now in this moment, you need rest for your injury. But the ultimate purpose in that is not just rest in the moment. The doctor has a vision of your body being restored. He wants to see you become healthy again. Jesus is thinking along those same lines. He does not just want to give you rest right now. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring health to your soul. He wants to make your soul whole again. In order for that to happen, you must first come to Jesus. That's the first thing that he said. And there might be someone in this room who has never come to Jesus before or surrendered their will to the will of God before. And if that is you this morning, we don't want you to leave this place without having an opportunity to come to Jesus because we know that your soul is weary and tired. One of the greatest burdens that our souls can experience is the burden of shame and guilt. 
And if you are living in shame and guilt right now, God wants to set your soul free from that. And you, you might even be wondering how. What I've done is so terrible. My past, my choices, it's, it's caused me so much harm. It's caused so much harm to other people. How could I ever get out from under this burden of shame and guilt? Well, the good news is that the way of escape does not come from what you need to do, but it comes from what Jesus has done for you. The Bible teaches that your sin is too big of a load for you to bear. But what Jesus did is he came to this earth and he lived the perfect life that all of us have failed to live. And even though he never sinned, the Bible teaches that he gave his life as an atonement for us. That means that he gave his life so that your sins could be covered. So that your sins could be forgiven. What you deserve because of your sin, he took upon him in your place. And the Bible teaches that if you want rest for your soul from the burden of shame and guilt that comes with sin, that what you need to do is you need to come to Jesus. And you need to tell Jesus, God, I am a sinner. And I know that I have sinned against you. And that burden's too big for me. It's, it's not something that I can fix on my own. And what I deserve because of my sin is your judgment towards my sin. But God, I believe that in spite of what I deserve, you gave me the gift of your son. So that I could be restored with you, made right with you again. And if you'll come to Jesus and say, God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I am putting my faith and trust in Jesus. He will restore your soul. He will give rest to your soul. He will remove from you the weight of the burden of sin and guilt. If you don't believe me, I'm a testimony of that. I want you to know that whenever I was living in sin and then I found the forgiveness of God for my sins, a burden was lifted from my soul. How many of you in this room have experienced that personally? I tell you what, it's like a weight comes off. It's like you're carrying a burden that your soul was not meant to carry. And then you come to Jesus and you say, God, I can't fix my sin problem, but I give it to you. And he takes that burden and there's freedom for your soul. It's amazing. So I want to give you that opportunity right now. I, I, I want you to experience what so many of us have experienced. I want you to experience freedom from the weight of sin and shame uh, and, the, and guilt that comes to burden our souls. So would you pray with me right now? Would you bow in prayer? Hey, and I wonder if right here at the beginning of this prayer, if there's anyone in this room who would, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would just be willing to confess and say, I know that what I need is for my sin to be forgiven this morning. That's the weight in my soul. I need Jesus to save me from my sin. Is there anyone here that that is the prayer that you know that you need to pray? Well, if that is you, then just pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus... I am so sorry for my sin. I know that there is nothing that I can do to make my sin right. But I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross to make a way for my sins to be forgiven. And I am putting my faith and trust in you right now. I'm coming to you and I'm surrendering my will to you. Whatever you want, God, you can have it in my life. Please forgive me of my sins. And save me and give me rest for my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. You can look up here at me.
Well, if you just prayed that prayer this morning, and many of us have, then I want you to know that your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. That he offers you release from guilt and shame. And this is the beginning of a walk of a new life with him. Because he wants to continue to give you rest for your soul. As your soul gets weary and tired and overburdened, he wants to give you his rest. And that's how I want to conclude before we sing one more time this morning. I want to conclude with an invitation to those of you who already know Jesus. You raised your hand a moment ago. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You know that he has released you from sin and shame. Well, what burden are you carrying today? What is the burden that is overweighing your soul? What is causing your soul to be tired and weary? and exhausted. Maybe you're even at the edge of burnout because of how heavy the weight is on your soul. Will you come to Jesus again today? And when you come to him, will you surrender your will to his will? Will you take on his yoke, take his yoke upon you? And will you learn from Jesus, the one who is meek and lowly of heart, and walk the way he walks, and think the way he thinks, and trust the Father the way he trusts the Father, and live the way he lives? What I want to do as our worship team prepares to lead us in one more song as we conclude our time today, and as I want to invite you into a time of ministry. And this is what this will look like. It's Allowing God to minister to us. You know, He wants to do that, right? That He wants to serve you, that He wants to minister to you, that He delights in you. Isn't that crazy? It's, I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but because of what Jesus has done, we stand righteous and redeemed in His eyes, acceptable before Him. And He wants to minister to you, and He wants you to find this morning, He wants you to find rest for your weary soul. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. We're going to sing this song, and as we do, I want to ask you to remain seated right where you are. And I want you to identify with the Lord. He will help you search out your heart. Identify with the Lord what is it that has been causing your soul to feel so burdened, to feel so tired. And then identify with the Lord what have you been turning to besides Him to try to find some relief. And then just tell the Lord, I am finding my rest in you. And when you tell Him that, at that moment, I want you to stand and join us in singing. So stay seated, work it out with the Lord. And then as soon as you're saying, God, whatever the outcome, I leave it in your hands. Whatever you're doing, I trust you. Whatever I could imagine is best for me. I believe that what you're imagining for me is far better than anything I could imagine for myself. I'm delighting in you. I'm trusting in you. You are sovereign and you are king. And I will serve you and surrender my will to you. When you're at that place in your heart, stand before the Lord and sing with all of your might and put your trust in the living God who cares for you. Seth, would you lead us in this time of ministry? Who can satisfy my soul like you? And who on earth can comfort me 
and love me like you do who could ever be more faithful true i will trust in you i will trust in you my god there is a fountain who is the king victorious warrior and lord of everything my rock my shelter 